0: But what if there is no tomorrow? There wasn't one today. Get away from her, you bitch. I'm Batman. Do no. or oh, do not. There is no time.
1: Hello and welcome to the Nerdfest Podcast. Today we have John Fartley, Dan Watkins, Ian McLaughlin. Liam Mayer And I'm Hazel Burden Today we'll be doing the usual buffs or bluffs where we try and fool each other with weird film facts And we'll be hearing about some of the wonderful things coming in the Marvel Universe So let's get started
0: That was shit Thank you <laughs> I thought it was very good It was good, it was great
2: Very professional, like a mediocre hooker <laughs>
3: <laughs> see hazel's away and you all go rude uh, yeah. typical yeah how long is that the recording
1: taken <laughs> how's everyone doing this week any updates on stuff we looked at last time what did we look at last time uh well you talked about phil eats lots of things
4: yeah <laughs> phil eats lots of things would be a series i would watch <laughs> um, and i watch it too it's very very good it is yes we've watched them all now but we did find out that ian mayer who wasn't on the last episode, has eaten things that Phil has also eaten.
3: I have. I have been to uh, Schwartz's Deli in Montreal and had what they call The Sandwich, which is a... How uh, do they come up with these names? (laughs) I know. You go in and order The Sandwich and this is what you get. It's a salt beef sandwich that's like a big corn brief. It's um, brined and smoked briskets, which as you're queuing up, you see them drying on the windowsill of the shop. Serve with a little mustard and if you have it with a cherry coke it's absolutely delightful apart from the cherry coke i uh, know it <laughs> works it really works it was a who recommended it and it's just sort of it somehow complements each other i thoroughly recommend
2: it i would not like to eat anything that phil has eaten because i assumed it'd be all chewed up and mushy <laughs> <laughs> ah, put me off a bit
1: delicious uh, ian what have you been watching ian recently, mac, mac sorry I'm going to say Ian, but I mean you,
0: Mac. Just call me Mac. Say Mac, that'll do.
1: I can't do that. I've been calling you Ian for about
3: forty years. I cannot learn to call you Mac. Let's address this once and for all. So, in the whole time of the podcast, we have never had two Ians on at the same time. So, Ian, how are you, Ian? I'm fine, Ian. How are you, Ian? I, I'm well, Ian. Ian, I was Ian thinking how Ian you wouldn't, I would Ian do this thing, Ian, when we finally got to it, Ian.
0: I, Ian, thought Ian, the same Ian thing. How, Ian, might we, Ian, (laughs) exist, Ian, in the same Ian universe and not touch so it, Ian, implodes?
3: Ian, 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 Ian.
4: Ian, Ian. Mm -hmm. I'm Ian and so is my wife. (laughs) That's that's, that's about enough of that. But
1: yeah, hey, good to see you, man. Good to see you too. We did speculate some sort of enormous disaster would happen if we had you both Mm. in the same place. It just happened a couple of months early. Yeah, time travel's like that. Yeah. The Ian streams crossing <laughs> Ripples will go both forward and back from this moment in time mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> So uh, we may fix the problem
2: Possibly, mm. yeah ah. The only way to make social distancing okay again Is for you two to make love <laughs> And combine
0: <laughs> That's, no, It's not worth it, I think we can both agree on that No, I- Ian, I promise you it would be worth it <laughs> 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 So great show guys yeah. and- <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway. Should we talk about stuff? Yes <laughs> Now we're going to do Buffs or Bluffs Which is where we each bring three facts Of which one of them really isn't a fact One of them is something we've just made up And we're going to try and fool the rest of us With that information Who'd like to go first? Dan
4: I have three nerdy facts About everyone's favourite band Aerosmith
2: <laughs> Ooh.
4: Amazing okay. I noticed there was no disagreement there. Everybody agreed with my statement there. Good. That was fact number zero. So
0: I was, I was, I was too busy making love in an elevator. So uh, <laughs> Yes. Before we start, do you mind if I just
2: go get a drink and use the toilet? Because I don't want to miss a thing.
4: <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> anyway, uh, fact number one. Aerosmith made more money from the Guitar Hero Aerosmith game than from sales of any of their previous albums. Fact number two, Aerosmith's rock and roller coaster at the Walt Disney Studios Park in Paris is due to be replaced by a ride based on the Thor films. Fact number three, Aerosmith's video for their 1989 single, Janie's Got a Gun, was directed by Fight Club director David Fincher.
1: Uh, Okay. Which is a lie. Okay, well, we know Mm. David Fincher did videos because he did the video for Madonna's Vogue. That's right, and, and um, mm.
0: that's why he was chosen to do Alien 3.
1: Mm-hmm. I know that the Aerosmith roller coaster is about to be replaced. I'm sure I've heard that. I'm not sure necessarily whether it's the Paris one, but certainly one of them is. I don't know if it's with Thor.
2: There's a weird thing with the Avengers and Disney rides in that, if um, you've ever been to Universal Studios in Florida, the yeah. Adventure has the rights to Marvel characters on the east coast of America.
4: Is that why um, Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout replaced the Hollywood Tower in California, but not in Florida?
2: Yeah, exactly that, yeah. And that is why the Paris Aerosmith Rock and Roller Coaster is becoming, I don't know if it's a Thor-themed ride, but certainly a Marvel-themed ride, whereas the Florida one is remaining as the the Tower of Terror.
4: Remaining as the Rock and Roller Coaster, you mean?
2: Rock and Roller Coaster, sorry, yeah. so I think that is true, because I remember reading about that and
1: guitar hero i mean that's it's plausible
2: it's very plausible
1: uh especially since that was kind of like a greatest hits in some ways it
2: it was a massive game yeah so i'm uh, sorry i'm struggling at the moment cuz i'm on my mobile phone network and i keep losing the 3g signal it's been doing it for a while i'm uh, i'm living on the edge
4: <sighs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> i'm so glad i picked this
1: topic <laughs>
2: Is Janie's got a gun, the one with Alicia Silverstone in?
1: Crazy is one of the ones as well. It is one of the ones with
4: her in it. Yeah. Because she was picked for Clueless based on Amy Heckling, the director of Clueless, seeing the Aerosmith videos that she was in while she was Mm. at the gym and thinking she'd be a good fit. I think she she was in Crazy. I think she was in Crying. Yeah, And yeah, Janie's got a gun as well. So they, she was known as the Aerosmith girl before she was ever in Clueless.
2: Have you picked this topic deliberately because I would have been seeing Aerosmith in a week's time.
4: I was not aware of that.
2: Mm.
4: Was that Were they playing Glastonbury this year? Or they were playing Glastonbury,
2: yeah. Oh, wow. So hopefully next year.
4: They have rescheduled their European tour. So
2: And they have a date in Manchester two days before the rescheduled Glastonbury and a date in London two days after and a big gap in the middle. So I'm hopeful I will get to see them next year
0: interestingly uh, the game rockstar was the first time that bevan knight had a, a a caution from the police <laughs> 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 we were seeing <laughs> <laughs> nine to five by dolly parton on the rockstar game at three o'clock in the morning absolutely um, off our tits and there was knocking the door and the police were there somebody called the police because we were singing so loudly we got a caution on the doorstep
1: isn't this is the one where the students complained Yes, it was. The
0: students actually complained about our singing at three o'clock in the morning.
3: Wow. Uh. So they're all very plausible facts.
0: Mm. Yes. Mm. Um,
3: I'm going to go for David Fincher being wrong. And it's not that I don't believe it. I actually kind of do. It's just there's lots of famous film directors that seem to have a very similar style directing around that time. Michael Bay directed a bunch of films that are really close, almost like aping the style of Fincher around the same time. Mm. So I think it may, if I don't, I think it's probably, I think it's probably right. But anyway, I'm going to go for um, David Fincher
4: because I think it was another famous director.
2: What year was that video? Cause it feels a bit late for David Fincher.
4: 1989.
2: Really? Wow. Okay. Maybe not then. It's about the right time. I'm going to go for the rock star. Wouldn't be wrong. Cause I think he probably made a lot of money on other things.
0: I'm going to uh, uh, agree with Ian only because it sounds the most plausible so it's probably the most wrong.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was going to pick that one as well because I think it might have been a different song.
2: Is the thing that the rock and roller coaster has specifically been made into a Thor ride?
1: The fact
4: does specifically state that.
2: Okay, then I'm going to go for that one because I think it's been made into an Avengers ride but not a Thor ride.
0: Okay, so we've got three Thor's and an Avenger. <laughs> no, we've got three finches and a, and a partridge and a pear tree.
4: Yes. And the partridge and the pear tree, or the farthing in the pear tree, is correct. Uh, it is the roller coaster that was the bluff. <sighs> ah. So according to the CEO of Activision Blizzard Games, Aerosmith did make more money from their Guitar Hero game than from the sales of any of their previous albums up to that point. David Fincher did direct the video for Janie's Got a Gun in 1989. But the rock and roller coaster in Paris is being replaced by an Iron Man attraction, not a Thor mm. one. Although I think a roller coaster that takes you across the Bifrost would be pretty cool. Do
2: you think it's the rock and roller coaster is quite a bumpy ride, so you'd be a bit thaw when you got off it?
0: No. 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 <laughs> he always has to hammer home his uh, opinion, doesn't he, John? <sighs>
2: Is it going to be called the Aerosmith Wagner Rock and Roller Coaster? Hey. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> i here all week. Don't forget to sit in the waitress.
1: Okay, John, uh, what bluff have you got for us?
2: I have a bluff about horror films involving people growing into or out of other people. <laughs> right. Oh.
4: Sounds
2: good. Is that a subgenre with its own name? It is. It is a subgenre. It's a it's a subgenre of body horror. So this started off as a thing about seventies and eighties exploitation films. But then I noticed the three that I had found had a kind of a weird link to them. So here are three films, two of which are real, would have bitch. I have completely made up. Film number one is a film called Basket Case. Now Basket Case is the story of Dwayne a unassuming New Yorker who carries around a wicker basket. Inside the wicker basket is his deformed and deranged Siamese twin, who work together to get revenge on the doctor that separated them as kids. (laughs) Film number two, I don't know the original title, I think it may be retitled, but film number two is Richard Nixon, The Very Dirty Pervert. Now, this is a Chinese exploitation film about a group of prostitutes who come together to try and bring down Richard Nixon after he visits their brothel. And the way it ties in is that one of the prostitutes swallows a copy of the Little Red Book and grows a second head in the shape of Chairman Mao, who guides her through her revenge. (laughs) Film number three is The Manitou. Now, The Manitou features a woman who has a tumour growing on her neck. And she goes to several doctors, and it turns out that this tumour is in fact a Native American shaman who is regrowing inside her with a view to taking over her body and taking revenge on the white men for the injustices against Native Americans. And she has to go to her psychic boyfriend, played by Tony Curtis, in order to stop this happening.
3: Well, they all sound like great films.
4: Yeah. Again, all sound plausible.
1: (laughs) They all sound like things you'd watch, John. (laughs) I actually know two of those films. So I'll keep you dumb for a while.
0: So do I. I I have watched two of those films. One of those films is actually one of my favourite flock horror films of all time, so Mm -hmm. I think I know the answer.
3: So I remember the video cover to one of these films as well,
0: which was Basket
3: Case. I remember the VHS
4: cover to that quite clearly. I've never heard of any of these, so I can only imagine them as envisioned by John. Uh, when making them up. Don't Um, do that. Did you say they were all 70s, 80s?
2: Late 70s, early 80s. Okay. Dan, you've just reminded me of
3: another horror movie, which is about a man cursed to experience the descriptions of John Farthing's films
1: (laughs) and live them in his mind. (laughs) Is it worse if you haven't seen the film and you just have to imagine the (laughs) depraved imagination? Imagine
2: my version of it.
1: Yeah, I am very
4: much imagining John's version of it. And I... I'm going to say that the Nixon one is a bluff purely because it seems of the three that that's the one that John might enjoy the least and therefore is most likely to have made up.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I'm aware of Basket Case. like That's Mm -hmm. definitely a thing. And I think I have to go with Dan on...
2: What was the title of that one again? Nixon, the Very Dirty Pervert.
3: I think I'd have heard of that. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's the bluff.
1: I've
0: definitely heard of Basket Case, and I've definitely heard of The Manitou. So, tricky dicky. I'm the same. I've definitely heard of a Basket Case. It's actually one of my vape very... mm. You know, there's three of them. Yeah,
2: the sequels feature a country music singer who was like a famous <laughs> country music singer in the 50s. I mean, they get weirder and weirder as they go on, but they're, they're all worth watching.
0: What's the film where they sew people together? Human centipede not really like that but it has that kind of weirdness to it it's very just a really strange idea and i've definitely heard of manitou as well so i'm going for nixon
2: you are all correct hey. 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 i think I, uh, ian is correct <laughs> i would recommend basket case as an example of what they can do with a very low budget so it's mm. not great but the monster who is the siamese twin is from shot to shot alternately a rubber puppet a man with some makeup around his face or stop motion depending on how much of the monster you've seen and uh Mm-hmm. at what angle so you can see the joys but to do something that inventive on such a low budget and it was also filmed in times square in new york you know it's it's up there with taxi driver as a evocation of grimy new york it's a really really good film
1: ian mack would you like to
0: try to baffle us yes because we're talking about marvel comic universe i've done a guardians of the galaxy buff or bluff Ooh. okay so number one Chris Pratt apparently stole his Star-Lord costume from the set so he could turn up to hospitals to visit sick children who might want to see Star-Lord. Number two, in Guardians of the Galaxy, the name of the dog in the collector's Tanneleer's museum is Cosmo the space dog. It's actually Vin Diesel's dog. He insisted it was in the movie so it could be immortalized. And number three, in Dutch and Afrikaans, the word Groot means big. So I am Groot translates to I am big. Mm. Which of those is a lie? Mm.
4: Now was Vin Diesel on the set of Guardians of the Galaxy to make such a demand or did he just do his work in the voice booth? Mm. Cuz I know that Sean Gunn he did the motion capture on set for Rocket but did he do the same for Groot or did they actually have Vin dressed up in a mocap suit as well as doing the lines?
3: I think I've seen a picture of Vin Diesel on stilts on the
1: set. Mm. This could be a false memory, but I believe I've seen that. Does anybody know Afrikaans? I think that's, that does sound convincing. It's like Grosse in German and Groin in French. Hmm. You know, those, those both mean big.
2: Yeah. I have a friend who speaks Dutch, I can ring her and ask. Go on then.
3: Oh, well,
1: have
4: you
3: got to phone a friend
4: on before
1: Bluffs now?
3: <laughs> so you're going to phone your Dutch friend and say, I
2: am big? Yes. <laughs> Is this how that's
0: going to (laughs) work? Yeah, phone your friend and say, tell me I'm big, tell me I'm big.
2: (laughs) Ask her to tell you in Dutch. I I will text her and see if we get a reply before the end of the podcast.
4: The first fact of Chris Pratt having stolen his costume so he could visit hospitals I know is true, and I think he must have done that assuming the film was going to be a hit because he'd have had to do that before it came out. That one I will rule out for myself. I don't know. I think, Ian, you've convinced me with your possibly false memory of Vin on stilts. So uh, I'm going to go with with Groot.
3: Do you think Vin Diesel ever forgot his lines? Oh, definitely. (laughs) I am... Oh, shit. Line?
0: Yeah.
3: I am tree. No, Vin. (laughs) No. Nearly.
4: Nearly. It's day 52 of the shoot, Vin. Come on. Yeah. You can do it. I am leaf.
1: Did anyone complain about his wooden acting? Oh, oh,
4: here we go.
0: <laughs> Have to get to the
1: root of the problem, don't we? Uh, oh, it's a decent old stick. Leave it alone. <laughs> hmm,
3: I'm going to go with the Dutch and Afrikaans being false.
1: I am going to go with Cosmo the space dog being actually Vin's dog being false.
2: I think it's a bit egotistical of Chris Pratt to assume that children in hospitals would want to see him dressed as Star-Lord.
1: Chris Pratt, though.
2: It is Chris Pratt, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go for I am Groot because my friend hasn't yet texted me back to tell me never to call her again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we're all in now. The answer actually is Vin Diesel's dog.
2: Ah. It's a lie.
0: (laughs) Chris Pratt did steal his costume so he could go to hospitals. Uh, Vin Diesel's dog had nothing to do with the film. I don't know whose dog it was. (laughs) And uh, Africans and and Dutch, Groot does mean big. Cool. Ian, what have you got for us?
4: I have
3: two true facts and one false fact about famous characters Leonardo DiCaprio has nearly played. Ooh. Mm. Leonardo DiCaprio nearly played Tony Stark. Before Marvel had its own slate of films and the licenses were owned by lots of different people, DiCaprio's production company uh, had the rights to Iron Man and had them for some time because Leo was a fan of the comic. Question number two. Sherlock Holmes. So this is the project that eventually became the Guy Ritchie, Robert Downey Jr.
1: Sherlock Holmes. So does he only play people that Robert Downey Jr. then went on to play? Uh,
3: Apparently. (laughs) So Sherlock Holmes was being developed by Neil Marshall, who did Dog Soldiers. It was rumoured to have a more psychological procedural angle. And finally, Patrick Bateman, eventual director of American Psycho Mary Harron, had the film lined up with Christian Bale. But due to scheduling conflicts, Oliver Stone nearly directed it with Leonardo DiCaprio. He left the project to film The Beach, and it went back to
4: Mary Harron. So, which of these is false? Did DiCaprio's production company buy the rights to Iron Man because they accidentally thought it was a sequel to The Man in the Iron Mask, which he did star I in? I don't have information about that, but
3: mm. um, <laughs> they but he was a fan of the comics and they did have it. Maybe he just likes metal, I don't know. Yeah.
2: So what was number three, sorry, American Psycho?
3: Uh, yeah, Patrick Bateman. For some reason, due to like scheduling conflicts or something, it, the movie was going to be directed by Oliver Stone, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, but he left to make The Beach instead.
2: Now, I heard a different version of this story. Okay. That there was a feminist academic whose name I forget who was friends with Leonardo DiCaprio and told him not to make it because she thought it would be a misogynistic film. So he dropped out at least partly for that reason. But then several years later, this woman ended up marrying Christian Pale's dad in one of those weird coincidences. Mm. I know that he nearly did American Psycho, but I don't know if that's the reason for it.
4: It seems like that Sherlock Holmes project was almost designed with Downey Jr. in mind to capitalize mm-hmm. on him making it back to the big time. It was a very different project.
2: I mean, there's been so many Sherlock Holmes over the years, probably every actor in Hollywood has been
4: linked to it at some point.
1: I think I'm going to go with Sherlock being the bluff for no particular reason other than I can see the other two.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go for Sherlock.
0: No, I've actually been in two new Marshall movies. Really? Yeah. Yes, <laughs> two of his films. His very first <laughs> student film when he graduated, I can't remember what it's called now, but it was rubbish, and in, uh, in Killing Time as well, which is an awful movie. Well, it was a right movie, but I was terrible. Uh, i'm gonna go for iron man just because it sounds the most plausible again Mm. and i could kind of see him in the role but yeah i think
4: i'm going back to my initial thought which is that you've given us a very clever man in the iron mask iron man link Mm. there um and i'm not buying it iron man
2: can can we just stop for a second to think how terrible an oliver stone directed version of american psycho would have been (laughs) You may continue.
3: <laughs> I uh, I love the American Psycho movie, by the way. Yeah. The moment I realised it was a comedy was about a quarter of the way through the film, and then it all just clicked, and I was like, "Yeah, this is super." So we have two for Sherlock and two for Tony Stark. Is that correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. He was lined up to do Patrick Bateman, and the reason I have is the reason I've given. I didn't. I don't know if anyone advised him differently. Tony Stark, Leonardo DiCaprio's company, was developing Iron Man. And it's interesting to remember that before Robert Downey Jr., Iron Man in the comics was nothing like the Iron Man in the films. He was a sort of straighter, more playboyish, daring-do kind of character. And you can definitely see Leonardo DiCaprio doing that kind of thing. He was not attached to Sherlock Holmes. But the other facts are true. The Guy uh, Ritchie-directed Robert Downey Jr. vehicle did start as a Neil Marshall project.
2: On the American Psycho note, can I give a shout out to uh, my mate Chris who sometimes listens to the podcast and who runs a night in Newcastle called Screenage Age Kicks who did a special screening of American Psycho at Halloween last year where we were delighted by the, um, you know, the bit where he chases the woman around the apartment with his chainsaw. Mm-hmm. That he managed to hire a man to at that point burst behind the screen completely naked with a prop chainsaw <laughs> and run towards the tables waving the chainsaw and his uh, penis in our faces was, was it Ian? That was an, it wasn't Ian <laughs> no Ian was, Ian? neither of them Ian no. was there doing the same thing but wasn't invited yeah. um, <laughs> I was just doing gardening what are, you, what are you talking about?
3: I was just
2: clipping a hedge and it was warm <laughs> that, <one>. <laughs> 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 that was a special evening <laughs> <laughs> Have you did yours, Peter? Oh, I haven't. Good point. No? <laughs> My bluffs are all
1: um, sort of spy and Bond-themed. The first one. Bond's most iconic movie theme is probably Goldfinger. The first person to hear its melody, other than its composer John Barry, was Michael Caine. For the second fact. In August 2019... Aston Martin announced an Automotive Galleries and lairs service to help create somewhere for owners to show off their cars. And for the third one, the rocket capsule used for You Only Live Twice was presented to the Science Museum by its designer, Ken Adam, and remained on display for 14 years.
0: I'm pretty sure the capsule is true, because I think I might have been there and seen it many years ago. What connection do John
4: Barry and Michael Caine have that would have allowed Caine to be the first person to hear the music? As otherwise that seems like a... Not a strange name to pluck out of all of the names that exist, but why would it be Michael Caine if it mm. wasn't true?
1: Tenuous link. Yeah.
3: What was the ma- name of Aston Martin's service again?
1: It was an Automotive Galleries and Lairs service. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's got to be true, isn't it? It's got yeah. to be true. Was it
2: also known as the Small Penis Club?
1: <laughs> <laughs> when did Goldfinger come out? About 1963. Okay. This is a tough one.
2: When did you say it was on display in the Science Museum and so?
1: Well, it was for 14 years. Mm, okay, so... so it was presumably just after the movie was shot. So when was the movie shot?
3: So is it true, Peter, mid,
0: <laughs> mid to late 60s? In that case, I didn't see it at the Science Museum because I would have been way too young. So I'm just I'm having a false memory.
3: But it was there for 14 years. <laughs> I'm going to go with fact number two. And I want it to be true. And I could see them doing it as a marketing stunt. But marketing a car Lair? Yes, eh, too silly for me.
4: Yeah, I'll go with that as well. Galleries and lairs. The other two facts are particular enough that they're more likely to be true.
0: The that the Science Museum would show an imaginary spaceship module thing is daft, but it's the sort of thing they might do to attract visitors. So I'm going to say that's true. And I'm going to say that Michael Caine didn't hear the music.
2: I'm going to go with the Ken Adams Science Museum being a bluff for the same reason that it's a, not a scientific object.
1: Okay, the fact about Michael Caine being the first person to hear it is true. John Barry actually shared a flat with Michael Caine. Ah, There's the connection. Not a lot of people know that. He also dated Shirley Bassey at one point. (laughs) Ooh. In August 2019, Aston Martin did announce an automotive galleries and layers service. Uh, Ooh. So the made up fact was that the rocket capsule used for You Only Live Twice was displayed in the Science Museum. Ah, very Mm. good. Very good. The Moon Rover that was made for Diamonds Are Forever, they did display for quite a few years there.
3: Ah. Can you imagine sharing a flat with Michael Caine? Did you drink my milk? <laughs> I was saving that for my morning <laughs> coffee.
2: Yeah. So we're going to move on now to talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, particularly Phase 4, which is going to open up a whole new universe of films and TV after Phase 3 was wrapped up by Endgame last year. Now, we're very lucky to have two Ians with us today, one of whom is an expert on all things Marvel, and we'll leave it to you to guess which one that is.
0: (laughs) (laughs) One of whom's an expert on Marvel films, the other one's here.
2: (laughs) So, guys, what are we looking forward to?
4: It's the first one that's due to come out in Phase 4, but I'm really looking forward to Black Widow. Black Widow is consistently one of the best things in every one of the films she's appeared mm-hmm. in so far. Mm. And knowing what happens to her in Endgame made us appreciate what she does. So the fact that she is finally getting a film to herself, it made me a lot more excited to see it after watching her full journey from start to finish. So uh, bring on Black Widow.
1: It did seem weird working out that it should have been out a few months ago now.
0: Yeah, we should have all seen it. Because it was March, wasn't yeah. it? And also, doesn't it mark the, um, the first solo female director? Kate Shortland, is it? Uh, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, that's right. In Marvel, yeah. There
1: have been a few that started with female directors and then they got replaced. But it's an interesting point. Is it the first film of the next phase or is it
3: the last film of the previous phase? Because they've mm. often done, mm. um, ended a phase one after the Avengers and it feels like it's about the old status quo because the new phase of films looks like it's doing something very different. The Eternals, which is the first like new set of characters films, according to the footage that's been shown at it in um, a convention in Brazil, it looks extremely different to previous films. And it sounds like they're doing something quite different. It is a massive. Ensemble. Not only the Eternals themselves, which are Celestials, who are like Marvel's robot god characters that float around the universe. We've seen them previously in Guardians of the Galaxy. The giant head where nowhere is the base, that is a Celestial's head. And we see um, Celestials making landfall and destroying the planet also in Guardians of the Galaxy. This race created a spin-off of human evolution thousands of years into the past to uh, look after humanity but they're also adding more characters than the, like, the giant cast, Kit Harington playing the Black Knight. It feels like this film's going to be about him. This is a really weird shake-up of the status quo. They haven't done an ensemble like this. They haven't done something which speaks to kind of the secret history of the world and the cosmos in quite the same way. I feel like this is going to be the big status quo change which is going to define the next era of films.
4: I'm interested in, where have the Eternals been up to this point? Why did they not help with everything that had happened up Mm. to now? I assume the film's going to answer that and not just introduce them as new.
0: Doesn't it also cover like 7,000 years of history?
3: Going back to the original book, which I'm holding, which none of you can see, um, (laughs) the Eternals have been around forever. Their technology and celestial technology is this weird kind of Aztec-looking machinery.
2: Is this a Stargate sequel? (laughs) It's not. Please, God, no.
3: (laughs) Jack Kirby who along with Stanley is like the architect of the Marvel universe. He fell out with Stanley and moved to DC comics where he made the new gods, this like a pantheon of gods in kind of a sci-fi way, which was a real obsession of Jack Kirby's. And when he returned to Marvel in 1976, he revisited these themes. he'd started at DC and what the celestials are and what they look like. The first time he kind of did that character was Galactus in the fantastic four this weird giant aztec looking thing that somehow was cosmically powered it feels like this is going to be the thread which is going to continue through the phases and i think dramatically we're going to see characters who are more morally ambiguous if you could pick out a breakout character from the first three phases of marvel i'd claim it was loki who went beyond being just like the villain of thor he had appeal that sort of transcended the films you weren't quite sure which way it was going to go there's just something interesting in that and i think that's the territory we're going to start seeing with the eternals and their massive cast we're going to see heroes become villains and villains become heroes
0: angelina jolie yeah leading as thena i like a bit of angelina
3: well maleficent is like not a, not a marvel film obviously but kind of she's this weird superhero villain I don't think evil is the right word, but we may see this morally ambiguous Mm. uh, godlike character in Angelina Jolie, and I'm sure she can uh, deliver that in spades. The really interesting thing about the next phase to me is how entwined the Marvel TV shows are going to be
4: with the films. This is my big worry about the Disney Plus TV shows, because it's a lot of content, and either we're going to have to watch it all, which is a lot or bits of it are going to be inessential and neither one of those seems ideal especially as for a lot of people disney plus might not be as accessible as going to a cinema have you got to watch mm. an additional 40 hours of stuff to understand the next film that comes out
1: this is coming from the person who's watched the entire set of Marvel movies what three times now
4: Well, yeah, but uh, (laughs) that's going to become impossible if I've got to fit five full series into it as well. (laughs) Rewatchers will become impractical.
3: The interesting thing about this is, I was sure that Infinity War, let's say, would be unwatchable to someone who wasn't well-versed with the Marvel Universe. And I watched it with my in-laws, who had kind of seen some of the films, and they thoroughly loved it. Now, they're very smart cookies, the production and writing teams behind the Marvel films. I'm convinced... Not your in-laws. <laughs> my in-laws are super smart cookies as well. Um but like they're they're very smart cookies. I won't con- be watching. They
1: never come to improv, so
3: <laughs> yeah, my family doesn't exist. It's all made up. I'm living a lie. <laughs> um but no, so like I'm convinced it's adding more, not like taking away. I, I think it'll add richness to side characters. The TV slate alone is massive. You've got the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which has already filmed or was like a week away from filming when the lockdown happened apparently they've got two or three
2: weeks of filming left
3: yeah we have one division which we know has at least started filming or at least sets have been built loki we don't know anything about that barring the logo appears to imply different versions of loki which fits with something which happens in the comic a lot Mm. there's a kid loki there's a female loki there's
4: um, like the old withered original loki still around in the split second of Loki that we saw, there was some sort of logo on what he was wearing about some kind of time force? Is there some kind of time police in the Marvel Universe? I, I forget the name, but there is a time police in the Marvel Universe.
3: Time travel's a very strong flavour, and you have to be wary about how you use it, because it, it is in danger of unravelling and undoing lots of different things. Making drama unimportant. Absolutely. Because you can just unwind Yeah,
4: it. which is presumably what Loki might do having disappeared during endgame
3: well i don't think we're going to see that much in terms of time travel i think we're going to see a lot in terms of the multiverse because the multiverse is something they've already established in marvel we have um a what if cartoon show which is all like various versions what if peggy carter was captain britain in this case what if marvel zombies were a thing which marvel Zombies is quite a famous comic from uh, the 2000s i think we're going to see more multiverse stuff the smart thing about that is, eventually, you can recast anyone as being the ver- like a version of the character from a different multiverse. Yeah. And it's something Marvel Comics swims in.
1: You know, it has various versions. But the Spider-Verse movies kind of absolutely allowed them to do a lot with that now.
3: Mm-hmm. Spider-Man has weirdly become Marvel's multiverse character in some respects. The various versions of Spider-Man are used like, quite a lot. We've got like New Mutants yet to come out. Over at Sony, Venom 2 and Morbius look like they've filmed. Um, Spider-Verse 2 we know is in production, and it looks like there's a Spider-Verse spin-off happening. And these aren't even directly associated with Marvel Slate. There's so much superhero content, it's crazy.
1: What danger is there of oversaturation? They seem to be trying to make each thing as distinct as possible from each other to to, to try and avoid that.
3: The thing is, we've been talking about oversaturation of superhero movies for at least (laughs) 10 years, (laughs) and it doesn't seem to have happened. The consistent appeal of comics, of superhero comics, and I'm talking the big two continuities, Marvel and DC, is the same appeal as the soap opera. You can dip in and dip out of it. You're constantly given like a level of drama, which is quite appealing. And this formula seems to be repeated, just on you know a $200 million cinematic scale. I'm intrigued by the TV shows that will start introducing new characters, because the first to be announced were The Falcon, The Winter Soldier, WandaVision, Loki and Hawkeye who all start with characters from the films, then expand that roster. But we've got Moon Knight we know about, which is a character I particularly love. Uh, She-Hulk is in development, Ms. Marvel. There's lots of interesting stuff happening in the TV shows.
4: Ms. Marvel should be great. Ian, you suggested a book that was available to read for free online during lockdown. She's a great character.
3: Ms. Marvel is a child of immigrants in New York. She's the first Muslim character to headline a book in Marvel she's inspired by captain marvel and so when she discovers she has superpowers which links to the inhumans in the marvel universe which was a tv show a little while
1: ago not a good one no
3: well there you go but she tries to live up to this role model while dealing with the fact she's at high school she's got expectations of her parents she's trying to deal with all this stuff it reads a lot like very early spider-man just kind of refreshed for today i think it could make a great tv show and i have noticed the tv shows all seem to be orbiting a kind of group of younger characters wandavision may well have speed and wiccan who are Scarlet which is kids loki's probably gonna have kid loki hawkeye looks like it's gonna have kate bishop now put all these characters together and you get the young avengers that it was a spin-off comic from like 10 or so years ago which could easily lead to like a different film version of the avengers
1: are they already working towards, say, the end of phase five with some big team up type thing? And do they necessarily know which characters they're going to use? Or do you think they may see how some things land and how popular things become before deciding what they're going to incorporate?
3: They've left a lot of space for people to pitch and for like, stars to be found. So I think they've seen the model works that you can build to like a 10 year climax, which is insane. We've never seen anything like that in cinema before. If you look back at previous Marvel phases, what was announced and what finally came out, it's slightly different. There's always room for movement. Who knows what to expect?
0: What really excites me is the movies are now starting to reflect how progressive the comics were back in the day. Mm. Race, gender, gender identity, sexuality, all those kind of things are now coming to play yeah. in these new movies. They were telling us how, like in the 70s and 80s how the world should be now.
2: The Brian Singer X Men films kind of dealt with mutants as a metaphor for, like, homosexuality in the first one, but it was done quite heavily, like almost as if you know this is a message of the movie. And what they're doing now, that I quite like, is there is just all these different diverse people, and it's not a big thing; it's yeah. just part of the world now, which is, I think, a, a, a big step forward. Absolutely. I
1: wonder if it's because doing a, a comic is less of a, an enormous investment than making a movie. So with making a movie, they have to play really safe because you're talking of hundreds of millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. Whereas with a comic book, if it doesn't work out, they could cancel it after three or four.
3: And they surely do, you
4: know? They absolutely cancel things very quickly. And what's quite nice about this phase is they're not necessarily taking sure things. I'm fairly sure Guardians of the Galaxy was considered a risk at the time. Our own John Farthing famously said that Black Panther could be Marvel's first flop in (laughs) 2017. Mm -hmm. Did it do okay? well it was fine never saw that but again they're doing it again with Eternals and with a character that before they announced the film I personally hadn't even heard of which is Shang-Chi
0: yes Mm. yes
4: so hopefully our resident Marvel expert might enlighten us a little bit more about why a Shang-Chi film is exciting
2: and please tell us it's going to be better than Iron Fist yes
3: (laughs) I'm sure it will be so Marvel always follows like current trends and in like the 70s there was a big influx of like Hong Kong action movies like Kung Fu and Karate films and Marvel cashed in on it. So Shang-Chi was introduced in a Marvel special edition called Master of Kung Fu in 1973. 1973 is the year of of the Dragon. It's kind of like the peak of of that era. It's also the year Bruce Lee died and that's when Kung Fu movies broke in America. Now he gets written two ways in the comic books one is as marvel's bruce lee kind of this younger kind of street level kung fu expert but kind of fighting for good at that level the other way he gets ridden is kind of like almost a god-like martial artist within marvel he's the guy who captain america will go to because he's fighting's off there's been god level characters who say he's the only human who can stand up to them i think we're going to see a very different version than what we expect The um, writers and directors they've brought on board, both Asian-Americans, with tons of credits, we can assume they're going to deal with kind of like the immigrant story in America. I think that's very now, it feels like the right thing to do. When Iron Man came out, that version of the character was nothing like it'd been in the comics. This child at play, narcissist guy with a heart just wasn't present in the comics. So I think we're going to see quite an interesting remix. In Simu Lu, I believe it's pronounced, they've cast someone with comedic sensibilities who's got absolutely ripped for the role. I think he's really committed to it. You've got uh, Tony Lung as the Mandarin. Yeah.
2: Oh, I, I did not realise that the, the Mandarin was coming back.
1: The real Mandarin, though. Yeah.
4: Trevor Slattery is the real Mandarin. <laughs> <He is>. We <laughs> all know it. We all love it there is no other Mandarin
3: <laughs> so the Mandarin and the Ten Rings in Marvel has been a thread which has been around
1: since Iron Man the Ten Rings is the sort of bad guy organisation is that right
3: yeah so in the comics the Mandarin who is a kind of Fu Manchu character funnily enough Shang-Chi was first written as the son of Fu Manchu when Marvel had a Fu Manchu licence and that's since <laughs> been retconned um, but the Ten Rings were the Mandarin's source of power there were magical rings which a Asian crime lord used to fight Iron Man and do that kind of thing They have become the kind of shady organization that's mentioned in Marvel movies, but never really seen. If there is a risk in the Marvel movies, the Marvel TV shows, I'm not sure it's oversaturation. I think it's the fact that they're actually burning through inspiration, burning through reference so, so quickly. Plot points, which are whole character acts in the comics, get resolved and used as like minor parts of films. I mean, if you look at even minor Marvel characters. So like Shang-Chi's been around since the 70s. That's that's a lot of lore. That's 40 odd years of lore to work with. I, I will see what they'll pull out and what they'll just discard. But it's an insanely exciting time to be a geek. I'm I'm intrigued <laughs> to see how different things are going to be. How um, how much the, the whole Marvel universe will have changed from the previous phases.
1: Some of what Dan was saying about um, almost being worried about the sheer volume of stuff to keep up with things. I do have friends who sort of haven't watched many superhero films and are like, oh, there's so many of them. Uh, I don't know where to start. Uh, You know, do I have to watch absolutely everything? You wonder if there's a danger of um, certainly those who are completists just never starting because they know how vast the subject is.
3: People ask me to recommend comics to them. Often people are just terrified of picking up the wrong thing. But the key is there is no wrong thing. You just pick up what you find attractive. You can't read the whole of Batman. It's it's not possible. You know what I mean? You just pick an issue, see if you enjoy it, and go from there. And I think we're maybe in that phase with the
4: movies. Where do you think they're going to go with villains? How do you follow Thanos and Infinity Stones? Are they going Celestials, and that's why the Eternals are in, and there are going to be giant space robots? Do you try and follow Thanos?
3: I think the Eternals may become the big bad. And I don't mean all of them together. I mean the characters will turn and change. Imagine a family of Loki's. <laughs> mm. And that's not how the Eternals are, but it's kind of how they could be. We're going to see some Game of Thrones like
1: heel turns. Two of Game of Thrones actors are in the Eternals, aren't they?
3: Absolutely. But this is this is my prediction. We're going to see loyalties change. We're going to see betrayals. We're going to deal with that level of drama mm-hmm. because it's more sustainable.
2: So with the Eternals, the kind of ethnically diverse, uh, a mix of ages, people that don't really belong together, am I assuming that Angelina Jolie adopts them all in the film? Is that correct?
3: Oh, Yeah, I think you've just found the first twist. (laughs) 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 But, like, the oddity of the Eternals is Kit Harington as Black Knight. A character is associated with them, but does his own separate things. I think we're going to see a kind of Kit Harington vehicle with the Eternals around them. I, I... Again, we're going to be surprised. There's no way to predict what actually is going to happen. The Eternals is going to do something odd. I, I would bet money on it.
2: It sounds a little bit batshit crazy to me in a good way, but I, I like that sort of thing. <laughs> now, are we stretching what the casual comic book fan would think of as a comic book movie and what would go and see? so somebody who has seen Iron Man and Captain America and some sort of these celestial space beans and all all this crazy multiverse stuff they going did on. Say
1: all that about Doctor Strange. And they're mm-hmm. worried people wouldn't go to see yeah. that.
2: It's almost like they've been feeding this to us gradually with mm. Guardians and Doctor Strange and so on. But it just sounds like, you know, it's gone so far from what you think of a a typical Marvel superhero movie. And that's that's not a bad thing. I'm just wondering at what point you lose the audience.
3: Well, in our Black Panther podcast many, many moons ago, I made the analogy to like an artisan burger joint of what Marvel is. Marvel's like the best burger joint in town. They'll always give you a burger, it'll all be good fries, and then they change elements. Sometimes they'll be bacon on it, sometimes avocado if it's Dr. Strange. <laughs> but like they're giving you a good burger. Where it lost itself was when they tried to put too much stuff on the plate. So like Age of Ultron, you had a burger and maybe some ribs and some corn and mac and cheese. And you know, you know what is this? What am I eating a burger? What we may see is a shift to tacos. <laughs>
2: so, like, they're still going to deliver.
3: They're still going to wow. deliver something. It's always going to be satisfying, but like they've got to evolve, they've got to change.
2: Mm.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, I I love the tonal range in Marvel. It's 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 controlled, but they do do sillier stuff. Podcast regular uh, Andy Chandler hates Thor Ragnarok because of how different it is from the previous stars. I love Thor Ragnarok because at, Changes life things have to revolve so the stuff we don't know about yet like blade's been announced with double oscar winner maharisha ali mm. expect something different there's kind of a dracula orbiting london horror in blade if you go down a certain road with it and we could see that they've just built a platform where you can do nearly anything
4: and let's not forget, if we're talking horror, Sam Raimi directing Doctor Strange in the Multiverse mm, of Madness. Mm. Yeah. Um, that could go literally anywhere.
0: Yeah. Anywhere, anywhen. Going back to Marvel's history of uh, gender switching and fluidity, we've got Thor. Was it Love and Thunder? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Where Thor becomes... Lady it, Thor. Yeah, Lady Thor. Is it Natalie Portman, I think, is playing yes. the yeah. role? Yeah. Tell us more about
3: that. Jane Foster, like, long, long-term on and off, I guess, girlfriend of Thor, um, gains the powers of Thor. Many people have gained the powers of Thor. It's not that uncommon. There's various versions in the comic. Beta Ray Bill is a character who's briefly alluded to in Thor Ragnarok, who is kind of an alien horse Thor. I'm not even making this <laughs> oh, up. Do, do
2: <laughs> Thor himself wow. has,
3: Thor himself has been turned into a frog for um, <laughs> quite <laughs> a quite, yeah, quite a famous uh, run during Walt Simonson. In the comic... Uh, Jane Foster was being treated for cancer, so she was having chemotherapy, and she gained Thor powers. And whenever time she used the th- the powers of Thor, it cleaned all the chemo drugs out of her body and put her treatment back. So she constantly had to gauge the risks to her and the risks to the world in doing it. I'm not sure we're going to go that way, but there's real meat in that. There's a really interesting character. And also Christian Bale is in that, looking like the villain, no one's sure mm. who. So that could be an interesting one.
4: Peter Ray Bill. I, Christine I, Bale is horse Thor. I dare not dream.
3: <laughs> An American psycho horse Thor would be, you know, what, what's better than that? Now we're in taco territory. There we go. Well, lots to look forward to then. Uh, so the next Spider-Man film, new Spider-Man 3. We know it's got home in the title, so it's Spider-Man. Work from home. Home improvement. <laughs> um, Craven the Hunter as villain. It's the biggest villain that hasn't been done yet in the classic uh, sort of Spider-Man roster. I can see ton of cool ways of doing it and that could be interesting
4: well spider-man is going to presumably be on the run because he has been outed as it were as peter parker Mm -hmm. and he's going to presumably be hunted so having a hunter come after him would fit that pretty Mm -hmm. well poor spider-man i'm worried for him
3: and he may well need a lawyer which is cool because the she-hulk jennifer walters is a lawyer daredevil is back on the marvel's roster matt murdoch could quite possibly represent him I, I just want to go back in time and tell 14-year-old me that all this shit you're into, people will really like it, one day. <laughs> because I feel like I've been uh, waiting my whole life to be an expert on popular culture, and it's just happened for me. So there we go.
2: Go back, and as your as your dinner window has been stolen, tell the person stealing it that one day they would spend it on comics too. <laughs> yeah.
1: The geek shall inherit the earth.
2: <laughs> so what are we all most looking forward to? If we had to pick one. For me,
1: um, Black Widow, I'm really looking forward to. And also, what if, for some reason, tickles my fancy? Mm. Uh, I just like the idea of taking different views on the Marvel Universe.
0: Well, I'm not looking forward to Kingsman 3. (laughs) (laughs) Ian, have you been paying attention for the last half an hour?
2: Ian's been looking forward to the Suicide Squad. Any
3: day, an Eternals trailer's going to drop. I am so excited for that. I can't tell you. We're going to see something different. It's going to look different. It's going to sound different. It's going to bring new flavours and open new possibilities to what the next years are going to bring. I love those geek moments where you just start seeing the glimpse of what's to come.
4: For me, on the big screen, it's Black Widow or Eternals. Both of those are prospects I'm really excited by. On the small screen, probably She-Hulk or Ms. Marvel, because they're characters that we haven't seen done before. I know She-Hulk was created to stop a TV network creating a Hulk spin-off in the 70s, <laughs> so they very quickly got Stan Lee to create a She-Hulk character, and he couldn't think of a good name, so they called her She-Hulk. <laughs> Shulk. The, the fans call her Shulky. Aww.
2: Well, I'm most looking forward to What If, an animated series which I think Ian is based on a series of comics, is that right?
3: Um, yeah, very famous. One of my favorites was Wolverine was first introduced in the Hulk with Wolverine fighting the Hulk. And there was a what if the Hulk had killed Wolverine. So going back to 1970, whenever that was. And uh, in that event, it completely unbalanced the cosmic nature of the Marvel Universe and undid reality. So you can play with really crazy (laughs) ideas. In these uh, in these stories.
2: So that's what we're looking forward to. And it would be good if we could hear from our listeners as to what they're looking forward to in this massive slate that's coming forward. So if you want to MySpaces, send us a carrier pigeon or a postcard from a seaside location and tell us what Marvel films you're looking forward to. That would be very good.
1: Well, that's the end of another Nerdfest episode. Thanks for joining us so much, and uh, we really appreciate it if you can get in touch with us at Nerdfest UK on Facebook or Twitter. John, what are you going to do to reward or possibly punish anyone who does that?
2: Well, as you're aware, my bluff was Richard Nixon, The Very Dirty Pervert, uh, which was not a real film. But if you give a shout out to our podcast, I will send you the script that I wrote myself this morning for that film and a leading role in it. How long is this script, John? It is 245 pages long. Mm. you know the notebooks at the beginning of seven basically oh, that
1: <laughs> <laughs> the rantings of deranged madmen is that roughly what it looks yes. like <laughs> right okay so um yeah thanks again and you have been listening to the twin
2: that lived in the wicker basket
4: a dude who looks like an Aerosmith fan douglas
1: fairwant jr
4: the watcher of the marvel universe
1: and someone who's trying to build their own underground lair thanks for watching or listening, or um, scratching. Whatever. <laughs> 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 Bye.
2: Bye. 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 We've reached the end of phase three of the Marvel Universe with Endgame. And we've now got here. a whole new world with some... New characters and some new films coming. I'm all you. gonna have a little chat about what we're going to. I
0: want to put it in you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and we're gonna have a nice little chat about uh, where the Marvel Universe to, is gonna go I w- next. I want to
0: put it in you. I'm glad everyone can hear this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>